0: Paul and Silas and Timothy struck out on the what's called the second missionary journey having passed through the Galatian region at night on a particular night the group having decided before bedtime to go Eastward to Asia changed their minds or had their minds divinely changed because of a vision Paul had that night of the man from Macedonia who was crying out to him in the vision, Come over and help us. Now, the Macedonian region, of course, is that area. It would have been to the west instead of to the east. And it was to begin with in that part where they went in Greece. So they make their way. And on down along the way, they... uh, Made their way in I think Acts chapter 18, to Thessalonica, Thessalonica. Today it's called Thessaloniki. It's in Greece. Paul went to the synagogue, they went there because there was a synagogue, and Paul spent three Sabbaths reasoning with the Jews and the worshipers in the synagogue. we are briefly told that his reasoning dealt with how their scriptures, the Old Testament had shown that the Christ must suffer and die and that he would be resurrected and he reasoned with them that this same one was Jesus of Nazareth that this Messiah had come and had died and was buried and had been resurrected he Is the Christ. Some of the Jews believed. Some of the Hellenists, some of the uh, Greeks who worshiped God believed. And a great number of women believed, the Bible says. So there was a, a growing crowd. Apparently, coming to the teaching of Paul regarding Jesus of Nazareth. This made the unbelieving Jews jealous and so they brought charges against Paul and his group. They were staying, the group was staying at the home of a man named Jason. And some of the people who had heard that there was trouble brewing for Paul and his traveling group Told them they needed to stay out of sight. So they came, these this this mob came to the house of Jason, not finding Paul and Silas and Timothy and any others that were with them, instead just took hold of Jason and dragged him out of his house, worked him over, and brought him to the magistrate. They were having all kinds of trouble. So basically, Paul and his group were kicked out of Thessaloniki. Thessalonica. And they went to Berea where they preached, and the people were kinder to them in Berea, but the unbelieving, troublemaking Jews followed them from Thessaloniki to Berea, and there was a riot as they had to leave. And then finally made their way to Corinth. Paul, while in Corinth, was concerned about what might have happened to the Thessalonian church. So he wrote them this first letter, 1 Thessalonians, to find out how things were. Also, to answer a particular question about those who were dying Christians who were dying you see the popular thought was that Jesus went briefly to prepare a place he would come again and then gather up all of his believers and they would take over the world and so forth but now some of that first generation of believers were dying mothers and fathers and grandmothers and grandfathers and there's a question what's happening to them if they're dead Most of the Thessalonians had come out of paganism and paganism had some strange teaching with regard to the dead. And if they had come out of paganism and those teachings about death didn't apply, then what does apply for the Christian who dies? So in large part, his letter is to answer their question. But he sends the letter by Timothy so that he can find out how they're doing. He was afraid that with all of the trouble that had come against them, they would just fizzle out thinking that it just wasn't worth it. Paul perhaps had not counted on the (laughs) it's strange to say but he, he perhaps he undermined a little bit maybe the power of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the Thessalonians. This is a great church. The church at Thessaloniki we're going to find is a great, wonderful church. It's a good church for us to pattern ourselves after. A group of people in the midst, you see Thessaloniki, it was on a seaport on the Aegean Sea in Greece. Also, what ran through it was what was called the Egyptian Way, a major Roman road that went down into Egypt. So all kinds of people were coming in and out by the seaport, by the road, and they were constantly there exchanging cultural ideas and so forth. What a great place to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, which could then be carried from there by those who would come into the faith across the sea or down the road into other parts of the world. Well, what was happening in Thessaloniki? This is what we look at here uh, today. Three things I want to say about the people in about the Thessalonians. They are, number one, called out. This is the only thing that makes us a church That God has called us out From the world The very word church Ecclesia means the called out ones Those who are called out We're going to see another word here in this first chapter uh, That is Translated election It is a form of the same word uh, to, to To be Drawn out by word to conclusion By a concluding word Nothing else to be added to it So first of all Thessalonians and believers at Shiloh as well. We are called out from the world by the power of God. Here we go. 1 Thessalonians chapter one, beginning in verse one. Paul and Silvanus, or Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. Now, any church anywhere is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are in the Lord. He is our Sabbath. We rest upon him. None of us will die knowing everything that there is to know about the scriptures. I've, I read the Bible through the first time when I was 16 years old. It, it gave to me an appetite, and that appetite, like other appetites, has only grown through the years. So when you look at me, you can say, boy, Brother Charles, Pastor Charles is a swollen Christian. He's full of it. Because I have spent my life feeding on the Word of God, and had some side effects, but feeding on the word and I tell you this from experience I've read the, I, the, I lost count how many times I've read the Bible through and now I only read it through in the original scriptures and every time I read the Bible through or read another passage I don't know how many times I would have read the passage I'm left with a new thought there's something wonderful that I hadn't been enlightened to before It is the unsearchable riches of grace and I just keep finding myself getting more hungry for it as I go through it. To be in the Lord is certainly to have a desire for his word but none of us, we live a life that is completed according to the will of God. But may I say to you, the very use of the phrase into the ages of the ages that we see in the Bible quite often, especially in the New Testament, teaches us that one age gives gives way to another age, which gives way to another age, which gives way to another age, and this goes forever. We will feed on this Wonderful word, the unsearchable riches of grace, the person of God. We will feed on it into the ages of the ages. Here's the point none of us are going to die knowing all that there is to know about our faith. We will not die in this life as those who are perfect in a sense that we're sinless. We don't, that's not, our sins are covered and we're forgiven. But physical death is a punishment that comes on the race of Adam because we have to we have to drop this nasty thing down and just let it rot away to be raised in a glorified body. We're not going to know everything that there is to know. It's frustrating when I look at passages of Scripture and I get sometimes I can get frustrated and I start searching and digging and reading. That challenge, in my view, will never stop. Because of the phrase. The phrase, into the ages. Succeeding ages is what the word really means. Even in a new heaven and a new earth. So I, I'm gonna die not knowing. Nearly enough about the Word of God, but I'll tell you one thing that is completely and absolutely satisfying. I will die in Christ. A lot of things I won't know, I won't understand, a lot of things I will have misunderstood, but there is one thing for sure. If I have been called into the church, I have been called into God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, I rest in my Sabbath because Christ has completed the work. You know, God sanctified the seventh day. He made it holy because he was through. He wasn't tired. He was through. He rested on his completed work. He made everything. Christ is my Sabbath. Because he completed everything for me. Absolutely everything. There is nothing that I need in order to be in the church. I am in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. In this case, these believers were in Thessaloniki. They were Thessalonian believers. Grace to you and peace. I know that we all struggle with our shortcomings, our sins, of course. The New Testament was written to a flawed church. each letter that's written is written because, Something needs to be addressed So while we're not in this life Perfect we are made to be perfect in the sense That we are completed in Christ Christ did it all We are believers and thus we worship him now we try to be obedient we read his word The only way you can obey his word is to read it right to know it, maybe to sit under the teaching of it and try to apply it to life as we go through. But there is one thing that we, we struggle, we repent, we confess sin, of course. This shows us who we are. Unbelievers don't struggle with, with uh, feeling bad about how they are, they don't, they don't care. They may shake their heads and say, well, I wish I hadn't done that. But the only reason they do that is because it's going to affect them negatively some way in the eyes of others. But Christians are crushed when we sin. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 1. This is an absolute promise that never stops. And so, collapsing in shame and humiliation and in conviction because of the discipline of the Holy Spirit who lives in us, we cry out for forgiveness. But that doesn't mean that we don't live walking in grace and peace. We are at peace with God and his grace is constantly on us. Grace. We do things wrong all the time. We have bad thoughts. We just happens. We're in a fallen world. There are traps laid for us by the devil everywhere we go. But we have an adversary. We, we, our adversary has a, we have an intercessor who fights against our adversary. We have a lawyer. We have a high priest, a great high priest, who is in our behalf in heaven. Because grace has been extended to us Constantly. And we should live at peace. We should seek to know ourselves, and we should certainly, by experience and by the teaching of the Word, know our weaknesses, but we also need to know to whence we can escape. The cleft of the rock for us, the shadow of the wings, the grace of God. In Jesus Christ. This is how he addresses the Thessalonians. But it's how he would address us. Any and all who are in Christ. Grace to you and peace. Now these people struggled. With idolatry. There was. There was perverted living all around them. And sinfulness. Sinfulness. It's really no different today even where we live. We live, they they were in a metropolitan area, I suppose greater Huntsville area if you want to look at it that way. Across any city in the world, but let's just bring it local, there is idolatry. There are people who give their lives to things and to stuff and they displace in life the very worship of God pagans neo-paganism these people need the word of God there was there was conflict Between religious orders, the Jews, for example, and those who had come out of paganism and into Christ. There was conflict. There was all kinds of of problems. Now Paul was only there reasoning for three Sabbaths. What a teaching he must have been. You know, there's another place in Acts where it talks about Paul being long in preaching. And there was this youth. This this where's my youth? Wherever they are. There was this youth up on the top. You know, they always liked you in the back. Well, he was on the he was on the top. They were, they had bleachers, you know. And he was on the top. Paul was long in preaching. The guy fell asleep. And he fell off backwards and he died. God's gonna kill you if you don't listen to me. <laughs> I don't think he would. Uh, Please forgive me. Paul went and raised him up from the dead. Probably went back to preaching. Here's the point. Paul had a lot to say. And I'll bet you he went hours on the Sabbath. Because he was a master. Before he was ever saved, he was a master of the Old Testament. Of the Hebrew land. He knew it. And he spent three years in the seminary of the Holy Ghost in the Arabian desert. God Himself teaching Paul His own scriptures in light of the reality of the main character who is Christ. How much could they have learned? A lot in those three Sabbaths. They knew a lot. They were a strong, strong church, this church of the Thessalonians. So Paul moves on, and uh, he says, we give thanks to God always for all of you. Didn't leave anybody out. There may have been some fussy, fussy people, whatever, whatever, We thank God for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers. The importance of prayer for our life in Christ here at Shiloh cannot be underestimated. We need constant prayer, all of us, every day, all the time. We need prayer. We need to pray for one another. Paul prayed for them. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope. What a beautiful description of a church. Number one, work of faith. This is what happens when, you see, we are saved unto good works. When we are saved, the the thing that we do for Christ is built into our call to salvation. It works itself out in our lives. So it happened at Thessaloniki. Your work of faith. Your work of faith, labor of love. Now the two words in the Greek text, they're obviously they're different. A work is a deed or an action, but a labor, a labor, is some, a labor is something that just it's part of who you are. It never stops. It's all during the day. A work is something that happens along the way. But a labor This is a lifestyle. Steadfastness of hope. Now, the word "hippomenes" it's a word that can be translated endurance. It's it's it 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 means it means that hope. Never stops. I may face challenges tomorrow that may break my heart or make me so mad I could bite a nail in half. Anything could happen to me tomorrow, I don't know. You as well. We are emotional creatures. We pray and read the scriptures and seek to be obedient and rest in Christ because we trust that the spirit man is always stronger than the soulish man. The soulish man is that part of us who is emotional. And it sees who we are and it sees how relationships are with us. That's the emotional man. The spirit man is the man who sees relationship as it exists with God. God establishes that for us. This hope that we have moves, it never stops. It moves us through life and it makes us calm and it helps us to face the experiences of life and the afflictions that we, we may face in life. It keeps us steady as we go. This is, this is the way he describes the Thessalonians. In our Lord Jesus Christ, before our God and Father, we are in Christ, and these are the outworkings of our existence in Christ. Knowing, brothers, beloved by God, your election. It's the next to the last Greek word up there, ek logain. Ek logain. Ek means out from. Logain is a little bit different take. It means that election here is translated to be called out by the word of conclusion for you. Bang! You're in Christ. That's it, nothing else to be said. So, the conclusion to the matter is brought by God. We don't conclude the matter. A lot of Christians think they go through life hoping that they can draw their lives to a conclusion so that they're good enough to be saved. This is not how it works. In our Lord Jesus Christ before God our Father, knowing your election, knowing the final word for you that called you out it's not like he just keeps begging us in a, no could you ever picture god in heaven as a beggar no so it's a beautiful word the The absolute final call that brings everything about you to a conclusion, namely your election in our Lord Jesus Christ before God, our Father. That's who we are. It has been accomplished for us. We are people of faith. I believe this. This is the word of God that came to the Thessalonians. It came to me In the course of time. So we're called out. We're called out of the world. By the call of God. Which here is called our election. God does that. Paul and Silas. When they went into that place. They didn't know. Who or how many. They just preached the gospel. And brought the word. God did the work. And it happened. Why? Because some, some weeks earlier, some time earlier, God brought a vision to Paul and said, forget your plans, go the other way. Man from Macedonia, come over and help us. That guaranteed the success of this missionary journey. God already had people prepared for the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Now once we're called out of the world we are called to go back into the world. We are not of the world but we are in the world. There is a task for us. There is a work of faith a labor of love, an endurance a steadfastness of hope. It is something That makes us who we are in Christ. So called out. Now called in. So here we go. For our gospel did not come to you in word only. How is it? How is it that people in Thessaloniki were shaken? And their lives turned upside down by the word of God. This is what we do. We teach it. We preach it. We publish it. Publish it. We proclaim it. But it doesn't happen just in word. When God's in it, here it is. But also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full assurance. The power Of the word and the power of the Holy Spirit through the word... Is what is seen... When people come out of a pagan world... And by faith come into Christ. This is by the power of God. This is not natural for a member of the fallen race of Adam to take the place of a sinner and to express a need for a savior. That's not natural for us. In pride and arrogance, we do just the opposite. We we look at other people and say, well, I'm better than that bunch of people. You know, Hey, if those people in that church are Christians, then the woods is full of them, and I'm at least that good. That's the natural man. But here, what happens? These who were in a pagan world, surrounded by paganism, and not only that, but they were They were faced by human works and the religion of human works in Judaism with the Jews. The pure, unadulterated word separating itself, being separated from the traditions of men brings power. And that power manifests itself in the lives of those whom God is calling out to himself. And this is what happened to Thessaloniki. We didn't come with this gospel just in word, but we all saw what happened. People were coming, were being drawn to Christ out out from a life that was was indescribable and, and otherwise unbelieving. They were coming from different ways and different avenues of life, even from Judaism. And so we didn't come, you saw what happened. We stood with the same scriptures that you've been reading for no telling how long but in those scriptures we applied the reality of Christ and the and the character of the scripture about whom it is written and the power came from the Holy Spirit the power was unleashed from the word in the name of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit came and it brought people to Christ and they came in full assurance This is what God said. I believe it. And now I'm in it. And nothing can ever take me out of it. That's what happened. That's what happens. When a church marches through this world with works of faith and labor of love, an endurance of hope. We will see the power of the Holy Spirit. Come through the declared word of God. And bring people out of the world into blessed assurance. Just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. You also became imitators of us. And of the Lord. Having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit imitators of, imitators of us Paul and his group came and they worked with their own hands they did not ask for anything they provided for themselves they supported themselves and so it's, it's, it's in Thessalonians we'll see it here God willing Because it says if a man doesn't work Neither shall he eat So Paul is saying You saw what kind of people We are And You became imitators of us Not expecting anything from the world Except to go forth And declare the gospel of Christ And in the power of that declaration Watch those in the world Come to Christ That's what he said He said, you saw it happen when we came and we didn't ask anything from you. We didn't come with some kind of ulterior motive. We came straight to you with the gospel. Now you've become imitators of us, having received the word, even though in much affliction, and you have received it with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. Can you see the effect that this church has had in its part of the world Macedonia Achaia for the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth so that we have no need to say anything your work has proven itself we don't need to brag on you God has shown the world the power of the word through your work. So what are we looking at here? He's talking about all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia and they became believers because the word of the Lord sounded forth from the church at Thessaloniki from the Thessalonians all around where they were. But not only that as people came in and out of that seaport And his people journeyed up and down that way of Egypt, that Roman road. It not only was in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place your faith toward God has gone forth. People carrying the gospel, staying perhaps for a while, learning of Jesus of Nazareth. The only scripture, this, this was written about 50 A.D., some say that it may be Paul's first letter ever to have, that he ever wrote. I don't, maybe, I don't know. But it was an early letter written in the church. And with nothing but the Old Testament. And with the power of the Holy Spirit working through that word in the reality of Christ they could take this word and they could leave from that seaport, they could leave up and down that road, uh, the way of Egypt or in their homes in Macedonia and Achaia, wherever. It was a thing that lived and they came into Christ. They came to Christ. And it's because a church I'm not sure there would have been as many believers as we have here. I don't know. I haven't researched that part of it, but there was just you know just some of the believers, and they carried Christ with them everywhere they went to go see aunts and uncles and cousins and whoever, and be on a business trip, whatever to Macedonia, Achaia, or even those with whom they dealt in business, who would get back on the ship or or get back in a caravan going up and down the road. Shared Christ. The power of the... You see, remember, the vision came to Paul and the vision was this. A man from Macedonia, come over and help us. The power of the Holy Spirit working through the lives of believers by way of their declaration of the word of God in God our Father and our Lord, Jesus Christ. It affected it. So this is, his, this is his introduction. Man, everybody's talking about what, ha- what has happened in Thessaloniki. Not only are we called out from the world and called into the world to serve, but some infinitely glorious day we will be called up from this present life. So here we go. For they themselves report about us what kind of an entrance we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God. You know, it must have been a comfort To know that you didn't have to worship a God of thunder and a God of water and a God of wind and a God of fertility and a goddess of this and a God of that. To know that there is one supreme God, as Paul had preached to the Athenians just previous to this, who loves us and cares for us. Tells us about himself and sends his son to die for our sins. You have, I mean, this was their lives for those who grew up in this paganism. This was life to them paganism, idolatry. The power of the Holy Spirit. There are people across Somerville and across this county and across surrounding counties who have grown up in some kind of lifestyle and don't even understand anything about salvation and sin the power of Christ waiting for the gospel of Christ to be unleashed upon them God always has people that he will call to himself across this world and across the place where we live thinking well that person didn't grow up in church that person grew up doing this and doing that on Sunday and grew up in a, in a home where people just lived some sort of really strange or, or liberal or whatever lifestyle listen it's not by might nor by power but by my Holy Spirit saith the Lord of hosts we preach the gospel God does the work Wherever it may be, at work, at play, along the way, around the family dinner table, wherever, whenever they came from idolatry to serve the true and living God. And then what? What we're doing. And to wait for his son from heaven. Whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. See, this is all part of what Paul had been teaching them. The wrath of God is going to fall on this world. Man, I, I can I look at the Bible and I, I look at I look at the news stories and I and I look at the reports that come even from YouTube or whatever from around the world, I'm thinking, God's mad. And he's probably angrier than he's ever been because it isn't just a thing that is in this part of the world. It's all over the world. And now forcing it from one generation into another and seeking to, seeking to force A new understanding of humanity. There's a wrath coming, you see. The wrath of God is coming. Jesus is coming again. But before the wrath of God falls on this world, he will rescue us. I may die before the Lord comes. It's okay. If that's the case, according to what we're going to study in Thessalonians, if that's the case... I'll beat you to the presence of Christ. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and then those of us who are alive and remaining shall be caught up. That's the great teaching of the rapture. We get there. We are called, we are called out of the world in our election. But then we are called back into the world via our works of faith and labor of love and finally at some point in some generation of believers we'll be called up to the presence of Christ who rescues us from the wrath to come. The word means to be delivered from destruction, from final destruction, delivering us from the wrath that is coming, rescuing us, delivering us to be taken by the Lord away from God's wrath and into his bosom of love. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he came into this world to save sinners. He came to call his own to himself. If you're here today without Christ, and you would come to Christ today, that is, that willingness is by the power of God. As you exit this room today, we have deacons and their wives right across the hall, ready to pray with you, share the word with you that you might be found to be in Christ today. Maybe you're here, you're already a believer and God brings you into the membership and fellowship of this church. They are prepared to deal with you as well today according to God's will for your life. For now let's all stand and we'll be dismissed in a word of prayer.